John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And uh, joining us is Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. And, of course, uh, Bob, I guess, you know, we've seen so many things through the years. Uh, how would you describe what you saw last night in the Sunday night come from behind win in which Russell Wilson drove 94 yards in the end of the game to get the win? Yeah, I mean, it's right up there. Um, you know, it's almost like they like to uh, keep increasing the degree of the degree of difficulty or something on these uh, late game situations just to make it fun. But, uh, you know, I when Minnesota, the minute Minnesota decided to go for it on a fourth down, I was like, uh, you know, and not kick the field goal. I was like, they're just setting the stage here. I mean, the Seahawks have had, uh, the, for all the yards that the, uh, the defense has been given up this year, they've had a really odd ability to rise to the occasion when they really had to, you know, for some turnovers and obviously getting a couple of key stops earlier this year. And I, I don't know how you explain that necessarily other than, you know, having a guy like Bobby Wagner who just seems to always know in those situations where the ball is going and, and able to lead everybody else over there. But, uh, you know, the minute Russell came, the minute they didn't get it, Russell came out there. I, you know, I, I had, I, I, just because we've seen it so many times, I had almost no doubt that, that the worst thing that was going to happen was they were going to get close to Minnesota territory and be throwing a few passes into the end zone and seeing what happened. And, uh, you know, and at that point, anything could happen. And that's, that's sort of what did, but, you know, still when you're backed up there with fourth and 10, you know, way deep in your own territory and you got to make the play to DK, um, uh, you know, that, that, that time of that fourth and 10, certainly there was reason to have some doubt just the way those, those the three plays prior to that had looked, but uh, the minute DK made that catch, I, thought it was a no-brainer that they were going to go yeah. in and score just because we have seen it so often with this team. It's amazing to think. And, uh, again, it's like I don't I don't think, uh, you know, those who have been wondering about what his chances are for the MVP, I don't think there's too much doubt because, again, what he's done in this five-week stretch is something that I've never seen. I mean, this five-week stretch is one of the greatest quarterbacking uh, miracles you've, I think I've ever watched. Yeah, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers just played really well too, and his stats are really off the charts. What Aaron hasn't had to do, for better or worse, is, is lead anything like that. You know, Green Bay sort of been blowing teams out, um, which is maybe, uh, you know, a little bit disconcerting if you're looking down the road and thinking that Green Bay is the team that the Seahawks are going to have to get past here at some point. But, um, yeah, the, what Russell has had to do in a lot of these games with, you know, a couple times, obviously, the, the, the Seahawks giving up the lead, and then he's got to kind of get it back, as sort of as happened last night. Uh, with these late game situations and everything. And, um, you know, he made one, one not great throw there on, on the interception. Um, you know, it's kind of a goofy play with Carson being knocked out of bounds and everything. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to read exactly what happened on that play, I guess. But, uh, uh, you know, still his ability to bounce back from something like that and then just lead a team for 94 yards, uh, down there. You know, the, we asked KJ, somebody asked KJ Wright after the game, you know, KJ's seen all these comebacks and where that ranked and KJ said he thought it was in the top three or four of everything he's ever seen Russell do. And, and, uh, I would agree with that. So now here's uh, there's a couple of debates, I guess, that uh, all on the positive side that you can get into. Okay, so which I guess you can't call it a dominating uh, team in the sense that, uh, you know, they have to go down and you know win like this at the very last minute or hold on to win at the last minute. But how would you compare what you're seeing from this Seahawk offense to what you saw from the Seahawk defense back in 2013? Which is the better of the two? Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good comparison. Um, that might make for a good story down the road. Yeah, I think it's um, a good. It's a thought. The, uh, the, yeah, uh, you know, I would say that. I mean, this offense has probably had to work through more adversity just because of how you know how bad the defense has been at times. That you know that defense had 
was able. Uh, they did have a few close games th- th- during that during that year, which you know Pete Carroll and others have sort of taken some time to you know point out at, at, at times. But they had their share of blowouts early, uh, you know, in that year too, because the, the defense was just so dominant, and then the offense was was pretty good that year. You know, I think it's always been a misnomer that the offense was you know just kind of carried by the defense that season. That uh, you know you had Marshawn and his prime, and um, you know Golden Tate and. Sydney Rice for a lot of that year. Doug Baldwin's, you know, the first really big year. Um, you know, uh, a pretty good offensive line th- that year. So, uh, you know, I think this offense is probably a little bit more impressive with what they're having to do to carry the team to this level because, you know, this is a team that could easily be two and three. Um, I, you know, if the, if the offense didn't do a few things at the end of some of these games to really help put it away. Mm-hmm. The other, I guess, interesting debate is who now is the Seahawks' number one wide receiver? Is it Tyler Lockett or is it uh, DK Metcalf? Yeah, well, I, uh, that's yeah, that's an interesting one too. You know, I still think Tyler Lockett is, uh, you know, from a game in, game out, what he's going to give you, sort of in the consistency of his production, um, and just kind of knowing exactly what he is and how you know the, the, the catching the ball and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I still think he's right there. I think it's one of those things. It's great to have two guys though that are to that level. I think it's you know just sort of speaks to that uh, just how how good of a pairing this has become that you could. Yeah, I think you could. That you could have that debate and probably not be wrong either way uh, as to what it's going to be. Uh, you know, it's always going to be maybe such a matter of styles and, and, and matchups and things like that. And um, uh, you know, I think at Metcalf, especially at the end of the game, anyway, especially that last, you know, the, the, the real big key fourth down, that was obviously a really favorable matchup there. I know there's some. Uh, you know, I read some consternation last night among Minnesota fans about Minnesota deciding to bring bring pressure there and and sort of leave their corners on an island on that play a little bit, which probably you know um, might not have been the smartest thing to do either. And uh, you know, Russell, uh, you know, one of those things where Russell, uh, the DK being able to figure that out immediately, and I think Russell making the decision with the minute he saw Minnesota doing that, you know, to to throw it up to to him and and figure that that was going to be the best matchup he was going to have. Yeah, no doubt. But what's interesting is that if you compare the first 21 games of DK Metcalf's career to some Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers, I mean, you know, the only one that really kind of beats him right now is Randy Moss because, uh, you know, Randy Moss had about, uh, you know, more yards and 20 touchdown passes in his first 21 games. Where you look at DK Metcalf, I mean, he, he has better better production and numbers than uh, Terrell Owens, Julio Jones, uh, and uh, Calvin Johnson and all that. I mean, you know, Randy Moss was able to have the 20 touchdowns and uh, the, all the yards in 21 games. But you look at what uh, DK Metcalf has done. I mean, it compares not just to past Seahawks, but past great wide receivers. For sure. And I, I think the, the really impressive thing to me this year is just how consistent he's been from every single game. Um, you know, it's, it's not like there's a 180 yard game there and then the next game it's 10 yards kind of thing. It's been, you know, 90, 90, 100 yards, uh, every game. And last night, obviously, sort of had to wait till the end, um, to get a lot of those numbers. I think he only had one catch for 13 yards at halftime, but that's, you know, that's a lot of times how it goes too. Uh, you know, the entire offense really, they really only had like 14 plays in the first half or whatever. So it was hard for anybody to, to put up any kind of numbers early in that game. So they were, 
they were going to come late if, if they if they arrived. Uh, you know, obviously there's some context that passing numbers are way up everywhere. Right? I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of every year in the NFL seems to get a little bit easier to throw the ball and the lack of holding penalties this season and things like that. Um, you know, I, it, offensive numbers are sort of up everywhere around the league right now, but uh, it, it's great to the Seahawks have guys to be able to take advantage of that as well. And, and uh, you know, I, that's going to go down. The second round isn't exactly, a, you know, being taken in the sixth or seventh and being overlooked by everybody, but still, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of teams. I think as as the as this next decade unfolds, that will be kicking themselves that they didn't take Metcalf. Uh, you know, someone didn't grab up and take him earlier in that draft, and and the Seahawks will always be thankful that nobody did. Yeah, of course. I mean, I still think of Philadelphia being the one that's going to be kicking themselves the most because they're not getting much out of Whiteside compared to what DK Metcalf is doing, or compared to anybody else. I guess finally now, what uh, what things need to be done on defense? Because it wasn't as if they gave up chunk plays in the passing game. Uh, the pass defense was better, but then the run game fell apart. Yeah, and that was a, that was an interesting thing. And I need to um, those games are such a jumble at night, and I haven't had time to go back. I'm going to try to do that today. Really go back through the game a little bit more and kind of figure that out. But watching some of the highlights last night, I mean, they were just getting pushed off the ball at times, and I think that was probably a little bit surprising um, to the to the Seahawks. There, uh, you know, we just got done talking to Pete Carroll on his, on his Zoom call, and um, you know, he was really making the point that that, that the injuries have, have, have hit him hard, and they really have hit the defense pretty hard. And uh, you know, he he liked what he saw of Quentin Dunbar last night. If they can keep him healthy, you get Jamal Adams back. Um, if you can get, you know, what they've really anticipated, obviously being their their starting four in the secondary, get those guys playing two, three, four games consistently together. I think they think that'll help things a lot. And if they can do that, then they can be a little bit more aggressive with some of the things they do up front. You know, they they tried uh, earlier in in the year, particularly the first three games, you know, to blitz quite a bit, and that backfired on them at times. And, you know, when you got some new guys in the secondary and things like that, there were some plays that got away from them when they did that and so you saw them especially against Miami be much more um you know sort of passive and um but I you know I think they that's what they would like to do I think if they could really depend on on having the, you know their projected starting four in the secondary with Jamal and Quentin Dunbar playing together and everything um you know I think they think that'll shore up things an awful lot and uh you know defensive line uh, you know they they, they got to get a little bit they, they they had been playing the run really well didn't do so as well last night um but you know they're they're still playing with you know a lot of a lot of new parts there. We Jonathan Bullard they signed off the Arizona's practice squad on Tuesday and suddenly he's playing 23 snaps last night. Um, you know sort of speaks to some of the issues they've had. Um, you know with Rasheed Green having to go on IR and Bruce Irvin being out for the year and things like that. Um, you know signed Snacks Harrison last week sort of determined he's not quite ready to play yet. But you know hopefully I think they maybe the two weeks with the bye here. Um, you know, maybe he, he's ready to play by the uh, by the game against um, Arizona on uh, October 26th and, and get him into the mix a little bit. Maybe that'll help things a lot. Well, Bob, I hope you get a little time off here during this bye week. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy pace, but uh, I thank you for joining us. Uh, read Bob Condota at the Seattle Times. Okay, thanks, John. Okay, and of course, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we'll get out the report card. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid. What people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take the social media comments. We take the voices. We attach a grade to it. And of course, uh, Curtis Rogers here every day to be able to give us the report card. Well, John, I can't remember a weekend with more. NFL news, more quarterback news than what it was in week five. And let's start with 
Uh, I guess some bad quarterback or bad quarterbacking news, and that being San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo getting benched yesterday uh, as the Dolphins blew out the 49ers 43-17 in Santa Clara. Kyle Shanahan following the game, uh, giving his comments as to why they benched Jimmy Garoppolo. Just the way the whole game was going. I mean, just kind of watching how we were playing as a whole, how he was playing. Uh, you could tell he was affected by his ankle. I mean, uh, you can ask him more when he gets in, but uh, I, I know he doesn't normally throw the ball that way, and uh, I think he was struggling a little bit because of it and the way the game was going that I was going to keep putting him in those positions and knowing we were going to have to throw it a lot to come back. So, John, how would you grade the 49ers' decision to start Jimmy Garoppolo even though he clearly was not at full health? I, I give it an F uh, because I think the Kyle made a mistake by putting him out there. Not that he was risking injury, but you know, you saw a very predictable thing. And that's the thing that I know I was saying last week is that, uh, you know, sure, he looks like he's going to be able to play, but is he going to be effective? And I thought maybe he was not going to be effective. I didn't think he was going to be this bad because, I mean, 7 for 17, two bad interceptions, 77 yards. I mean, he couldn't generate anything. And this is against a Dolphin defense that you saw last week isn't all that good. And so, uh, you know, it was a mistake to start him. And again, it's like, uh, you know, you now they lose a home game. Can you believe that the 49ers, team that went 13-3 and last year, are now 0-3 at home? And, you know, they've now gone through the easiest part of their schedule. And so now what they did by, you know, by starting him, falling behind as bad as they were and not having the ability to come back with C.J. Beathard, you know, they, they leave themselves that in this seven-game stretch, stretch coming up, that they may be just out of the playoffs by the end of it. They have zero wiggle room and uh, to, I guess, mess around with an opponent like Miami. A, a gimme game. You could have started anybody at quarterback yeah. and should have had a, a better than 50% chance of beating Miami, and yet they got absolutely boat raced at home with their starting quarterback. It makes you wonder, John, if there are problems deeper than just the injuries going on in San Francisco because they are not the team that they were a no. year ago that won the NFC going away. Uh, I give the decision to start Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday an F just because they have now put themselves behind the eight ball. And like you said, John, this seven-game stretch is going to really make or break their season. And it's pretty clear that the Super Bowl hangover is real in San Francisco. Also, John... Oh, by, the, by the way, you know what the, let me just give you the schedule. Okay. The Rams, New England, that's at New England, at Seattle, Green Bay at home, at New Orleans, open date with a bye week, and then at the Rams. Oh, and then followed that up with Buffalo. Oof. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they may they may just go like what three and four, two and five, something like that. I mean, they they could come out and not even have a winning season. That's that is brutal right now for the 49ers. Let's get to some good news in the NFL. Yesterday, Washington Football Team quarterback Alex Smith returning to an NFL field for the first time since suffering that devastating leg injury in 2018 that required so many different surgeries, so many different uh, rehabs on it, and, and just a tremendous uh, road that he took to get back to the NFL. Here's what Alex Smith had to say post game uh, on if he thought coming back from an injury was possible. I mean certainly was there and I, I continued to, to reach for it and put it out there and strive for it. But no, I'd be, I'd be lying if I was saying there weren't a lot of days um, when I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but, you know, you just kind of keep pushing through, you know, and I, and I always felt like uh, when I had my darkest moments, there was always something around the corner that happened that, that I just kept, kept kind of plugging along. And all of a sudden I made a big, a big gain or a big step or, or something clicked and, 
you know, and then I'd kind of keep marching and, and, you know, and I felt like it would repeat itself. And all of a sudden, though, then I'd, I'd, I'd make another, you know, another jump. Um, and, and for me, obviously the biggest ones have been the last, you know, six, eight weeks, you know, obviously getting out on the field and really doing it and knowing that I can and doing it consistently. I mean, obviously the game didn't go Washington's way, but for Alex Smith, one of the great guys of the mm-hmm. NFL to take that rehab head on the way he did, John, and to come back about two years after that devastating leg injury. How are we creating Alex Smith's perseverance? Oh, we give it an A+. Plus. I mean, 17 surgeries, you know, the fact that you know he almost lost the leg, <clears throat> the pain that he had to go through, all those different things. I mean, you have to give it an A and just... It starts to look as though what now might happen, and some of the rumblings in Washington is that uh, before the trade deadline, they may tw- trade D- Dwayne Haskins and you know Kyle Allen, who got hurt. Uh, they don't know if he's going to be able to play, but it looks like at some point here, Alex Smith will take over as the starter, which is an incredible story. It is uh, absolutely an A plus for Alex Smith and his road back to the NFL. Uh, coming in and mop up duty yesterday as Washington lost to LA thirty to ten, but. Uh, the score doesn't really matter in a story like that. Just a tremendous tip of the cap to Alex Smith and all that uh, he was able to accomplish on his road back to the NFL. Also, John, uh, a player that everybody would have been watching had he gotten on the field tonight, that'd be Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas. He's not going to play tonight. After getting into a fight during practice, the Saints are suspending him for tonight's game. John, how are we grading Michael Thomas, a Saints team that is – not had it easy like everybody thought they were going to this season. Now he's going to miss tonight's game. Oh, yeah. No, I think that you have to give that uh, a D because you know, they needed him and they need him. Uh, 150-catch receiver last year, and you know here he is. He misses the two weeks, and you can see that Drew Brees was affected by it, particularly two weeks ago. And now to make himself unavailable by getting into a fight with a teammate, I mean, shows there's some problems there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give him a D. Yeah, I will give uh, I'll, I'll give Michael Thomas an F on this one, man. You are so needed in that Saints offense. What are you doing throwing haymakers in practice? Practice we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And in the words of Allen Iverson, it's it's not worth it, man. You are so valuable to the team and and what the Saints do there. How how could you let your emotions get the best of you uh, in in practice of all places? Uh, I give him an F. And then finally, John, on the report card, uh, a pretty funny story. The Lakers last night win their 17th NBA championship. They're popping champagne in the locker room at Walt Disney World following their title. Uh, The celebration dies down. Everybody packs up. They head back to the team hotel. But they forgot one player. That would be Lakers reserve guard Quinn Cook, uh, who is you know a bench guy. But... A very valuable member to the team. He missed the team's bus following their title celebration, and the only way he was able to get a hold of anybody with the Lakers' traveling party uh, was to comment on J.R. Smith's Instagram live session. Uh, J.R. was streaming the bus ride from the arena to the team hotel. Quinn Cook had to comment like, hey guys, make a U-turn, I'm still here. Luckily, the team was able to get Quinn Cook back to the hotel in time. Uh, but, John, how are we grading that mishap uh, immediately following the Lakers championship? I guess we have to give it a, a, a C- minus because, again, it's like, okay, you're, you're a backup. Nobody knows who you are and all that stuff. Why can't you just be there for the bus? 
What was he doing? I mean, again, it's not like the bus was going to uh, ignore him and not allow him on the bus. I mean, what is he thinking? Uh, he obviously wasn't thinking. Well, maybe he had a little too much, uh, too much of the uh, after party spread that, there. He would send tend to think. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, but uh, glad he was able to get on the bus and, and make it to the team hotel. Didn't have to walk across the entire Disney campus, which is is massive. It's like mm-hmm. a city in itself. Uh, so yeah, that is it for today's report card, John. Okay, be sure to check out the professor's notes at sevenhensports.com. Professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we are going to get, take the text questions on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Text is at seven ten seven ten. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go into Vizzy's Hard Seltzer text line. You can text us at 710-710. Curtis Rogers, what do we have? 253 wants to know, John, if the Raiders are a contender in the AFC West after knocking off Kansas City yesterday. Uh, I would say they're a contender for a, a playoff berth. Again, it, sure, they beat Kansas City, and they beat Kansas City at home you know, when they were at home. But uh, you know they still have issues on defense. I mean, they gave up 32 points. Again, I say that about every team. But, uh, no, I think what they did show is that you know uh, that. One of the teams has now risen up and can be a wild card because again Kansas City still was going to you know, have Patrick Mahomes and you know they'll have everything on their side and all that stuff. But what they're showing is that now they're the second best team in the AFC West. They had a great game plan, executed it in a, a masterful level, and caught the Chiefs when their defense was down. I mean Mahomes still almost had a chance to come back and did throw the interception when they were driving to try to tie the score. But uh, you know I still think that you know, they're right now you know Cleveland. Cleveland and uh, the Raiders are showing to be playoff caliber teams. Super Bowl, no, but playoff caliber, yes. This one from the 360. They want to know, did the Vikings give the NFL a blueprint yesterday on how to beat the Seahawks? Mm, I think they, they gave one little thing in the first half that has to be you know looked at in the sense that, uh, you know, they of course, part of it was, you know, they have two of the best, the safety, du- the best safety, one of the best safety duos in the National Football League with Anthony Harris and uh, Harrison Smith. And so what they did to kind of protect their uh, young defensive backs is they played cover two and some cover four. And so they kept everything in front. And, of course, uh, you know, that forced uh, Russell Wilson then to, you know, do more check downs and throw the ball to, uh, you know, either uh, Chris Carson or throw underneath a lot because they really couldn't challenge above. So that may be something that has to be looked at. But then I thought the Seahawks made the adjustment now that they'll make in future games. You know, they kind of came out and they used more two tight end sets because, you know, you can get good production in, uh, in zone coverage, particularly from Greg Olson and Will Disley. And then all of a sudden, you know, after they making that move, they get three touchdowns in a minute. 53. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they gave a game plan, but again, the game plan is trying to stop Russell Wilson, and you saw that in the end, they couldn't. 503 wants to know, John, if the Cowboys are still the favorites in the NFC even after Dak Prescott's injury. Yeah, I really believe that. I mean, it may sound strange, particularly as bad as their defense is and the injuries that they have, but what I still look at is that, uh, you know, they can. you know, they really do have the ability to, uh, you know, get Andy Dalton out there. And Andy Dalton, I think, you know, where we look at Cam Newton as being in the biggest steal of, uh, I think, the offseason, you know, getting Dalton may be not the equal of it, but it, it still keeps them in there in the worst division in NFL history. Now, what we're talking about, you know, it's probably going to be a seven-win division at the best. And so... 
you know, they had to go to New York, Dallas did, and sneak out a three-point victory over the Giants, which, of course, that's kind of embarrassing. But, you know, this is a stretch coming up where I think what they have, like, five division games. And if Andy Dalton can, you know, muddle his way through it, I mean, they can, they can sit there and pretty well win the division in the next five weeks. 253 wants to know, John, if you think there's any punter in the league having a better season than Michael Dixon. I can't see any. I mean, he is absolutely incredible. And what's interesting is that uh, this is a record year for the fewest number of punts. Because nobody, you know, nobody's backing up. I everybody's guess. scoring. No, everybody's scoring. So it's like there's no need for punts. But I mean, he is so good in placing the ball inside the five, inside the ten yard line. No, I think he's. I mean, again, another Pro Bowl season for him. Two five three wants to know, John, if you expect Snacks Harrison and Jamal Adams to play the first week out of the bye. Yeah, I think. I mean, certainly, you know, Jamal's going to be able to play because he'll have an extra week or so to recover from the groin injury. Now that means he he can go in there and he'll be fine. <laughs> Snacks still has to get in shape, and you know, Pete Carroll did mention that uh, you know he's not in shape, and of course he has to do some things this week to uh, you know get going because again he's not going to be able to practice this week because the team has the bye week and the week off. But I would anticipate they can get Snacks out there for you know maybe 15 to 20 snaps this one lost the area code but they will oh 253 they want to know john do you think dk metcalf is going to be a pro bowler this year i think so yeah <clears throat> particularly to knowing that uh you know they everybody tends to recognize the uh you know the outside receivers i mean you know there's so many good slot receivers that sometimes they you know they, they knock each other out and you know tyler lockett's in that mix and he's been a pro bowl alternate the last couple of years but when you think about what's going on in the uh, in the nfc you know julio jones i mean he's been kind of banged up with that hamstring injury and hasn't done a lot and so uh and, and on an zero and five team but i think right now uh, i think he has great chance because again we read off all those numbers of how in his first 21 games he compares to Randy Moss and he compares to you know Terrell Owens and Julio Jones and guys like that so honestly I think that he's got a great shot to do it. 360 wants to know John why was Chris Carson not in on the final drive? Uh think you know they don't want to overdo it with him and i think that uh you know he you know they wanted to kind of rotate it and so they have travis in there and <clears throat> travis does a good job blocking chris does a good job blocking too but uh you know no real no real reason for it i think they just wanted to take advantage of his speed this one comes to us from the 425 they want to know john after two head coach firings already do you see any more happening in the regular season oh yeah i mean i can't I, i'm I, I shake my head every day that adam gaze is still coaching as much as i like the guy uh i can see doug marone you know now he loses three straight games to winless teams you know that's got to put him in a bad spot i mean you know you still have vic fangio in denver i mean there's you know all all mo- most of the coaches that are on the hot seat are all losing this one comes to us from the 425 they want to know john because the pup list you can come off it after week six they want to know any news on players such as daryl taylor and their availability now because you got to remember it's going to be week seven because uh, the bye week is uh, this week and so you have to serve six games so they can't get him to week seven so it's not as if you come out of the bye week and you can get one of those guys no i mean i, I guess uh, taylor's picking it up a little bit but it doesn't look like he's going to be ready i think rashad penny's going to be ready i don't know what they want to do with Cody Parkinson, uh, but overall, I think that uh, I mean Penny has a decent chance to be there for Week Seven. This one comes to us from. Uh, let's go with the two five three. They want to know if Atlanta gets the number one pick. Do you think they would take Trevor Lawrence or stay with Matt Ryan? Uh, 
They may go with uh, Trevor Lawrence as much as they love Matt Ryan, mainly because they, uh, you know, they're going to have a whole new organization. I guess you can say a new coach, a new general manager, and all that. And they also have, uh, you know, some real cap problems next year, so they may have to start from scratch. And if that's going to be the case, they may, you know, unload Matt Ryan and go ahead and do that. And you'd hate to see that because, you know, a quarterback like that, a franchise quarterback, should be able to have his entire career with that team. But that's a possibility. Yeah, he he would definitely be a, an intriguing option if he became available. I mean, Matt Ryan is a quarterback that can win you games, no doubt. Former MVP. Too. Uh, from the 425, they want to know, John, do you see Ryan Neal finding a spot on defense even when Jamal Adams comes back? Uh, yeah, I mean, mainly as the backup. I mean, because <clears throat> I know Hill continues to have the back, back problems. There certainly, he's not going to take playing time away from Jamal Adams, but I think now you know if you need him as a backup, he's a real good guy to go back and help you out. This one comes to us from... Let's go with this one from the 425. They want to know, when will Carlos Hyde be back, and are you surprised at his two straight healthy scratches? No, he's not healthy. I mean, he's got a shoulder injury. I mean, maybe he's been on the injury list all week and has missed practice, and so uh, <clears throat> the extra week now will give him a chance to heal up. And, you know, Pete Carroll kind of indicated most of the guys should be back after the bye week, and he's going to be one of them. This one from the 417. I, I don't know if it's very likely, John, but they want to know. Could Tony Romo come back for the Cowboys? No. <laughs> what, he's making $17 million a year as a broadcaster. It's a pretty nice gig. Yeah, so he's not going to leave that place. He's one of the best. That is going to do it for today's text question. And that was on the Busy Hard Seltzer text line. Coming up, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. So, Dave... Uh, <clears throat> this is an incredible game last night, <clears throat> a victory that uh, was unlike anything we've really seen so many. I mean, again, we've seen great comebacks, but to be able to you know, be totally shut down in the first half, come back in the third, qu- third quarter and get three touchdown drives in a minute 53, and then a 94-yard touchdown drive in which there was two fourth downs. That's incredible. Well, the way a lot of people describe it is right, John. It was like four games. Yeah. I mean, the first half was was a complete blowout one way. Then the Seahawks had uh, their uh, their stretch that you talked about, where they scored a bunch of points, <clears throat> had a big turnover, and, and looked good on offense. Then they gave up a couple of long drives to the Vikings, and then uh, had that that dramatic fourth quarter uh, last drive of the game. And and you put the ball in the MVP's hands, and you know he he did what he was supposed to do. So uh, you know you get. You're off to the bye week. You're five and zero. Oh, you're getting healthy. You, you, it doesn't matter that they're close games, as we well know. It's tough to win in the NFL period. It doesn't matter how close you could be to two and three. Then, then you are to five and zero. Oh. You, you are what your record says you are, and they're, they're five and zero oh and in very good shape heading into the bye after just, uh, you know, I kind of agreed with Pete Carroll, as I'm sure everyone did, and and uh, watching that, that would have been one of those magic nights where that crowd would have made, uh, would have made such a huge difference and. And uh, it might have made a difference in some of the calls in the games, too. Yeah, might have done that. But uh, <clears throat> And the one thing is, <coughs> schedule gets a little tougher now after the uh, bye week because you know they take on Arizona, San Francisco, uh, Buffalo on the road, and the Rams. And so that's going to be the defining mark to see, okay, can you solidify things and you know, not lock up the division but show that you can win the division? Because right now, uh, you know, Arizona's lost two games that they should not have lost to because they lost to worse teams. And 49ers right now are a mess. 
that's what I mean. I mean, I don't know how tough that schedule looks when you when you run through it. Arizona's not playing well, and San Francisco got got their doors blown off by Miami. Got Jimmy Garoppolo pulled from the game, who didn't look good. They don't look good. Uh, their secondary is in bad shape. So I, I agree with you on the other ones. I think the Rams are for real, and uh, they're four and one now. And I think Buffalo is also for real. I think Buffalo is really really good, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. So uh, the schedule will get a little bit tougher, but they're getting Jamal Adams back. They'll have uh, Snacks Harrison in the rotation. So uh, they gotta, they gotta get some guys back as well. So uh, I, I think, you know, they, they need to, obviously the takeaway from the game is, you know, they've got issues on defense and that, that, you know, despite the big plays and whatnot, they, they need to address if they're going to have success in the, come the postseason. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not time to worry about that right now. It's time to feel good about what happened on Sunday. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, the defense did have its issues, but again, Russell Wilson makes everything right. Where do you stand on the idea? Of course, this is one that I was thinking of, two things I was thinking of. Okay, uh, what's more dominant, the 213 uh, defense that won the Super Bowl or this offense, which right now has just out been amazing? Yeah, it's been unstoppable, John. I mean, you know, you you you, you get the sense, and, and they've always kind of had it with Russell Wilson, but you get the sense of the overwhelming confidence that these guys are playing with. And uh, the offense is just going to get better. I mean, you know, Will Disley with a, with a nice catch and, and his first touchdown about a year away from getting hurt is a guy who's still getting better. It goes without saying what D.K. Metcalf has become already. I mean, he, he's, he's arguably in, in the top tier of receivers right now, uh, as is Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson is, is on pace to throw. 61 touchdown passes, plus Chris Carson is healthy. You're getting Carlos Hyde back. So uh, that's going to be, a, you know, obviously we've got to give it more than, than just one-third of the season. But um, it's going to be a fair question to ask because I, I, I've, as I look at it, I see this offense getting better as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. No, I really do. Okay, the other one is who now is the number one receiver on the team? Is it DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Well, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know that they'll make a big deal out of it, no, it's but not a big let, deal. Let's, let's, let's face facts. It's DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, when, when the chips were down on fourth down twice, that's who he went to. Um, and he made the plays and it's nothing against Tata Lockett, who's a tremendous number two option, but I, I, I can't look at that and look at Metcalf as anything but, like, like I said, a transcendent receiver who's, who's rocketing towards the top of the ranks. So, I mean, he seems to have, uh, Russell Wilson's got confidence in all his guys. Don't don't get me wrong on that, but um, it, you know when push came to shove, when when they had to have plays made, he went to DK Metcalf last night. Yeah, and what I, I what I find amazing is that if you look at the numbers that he's put up in his first twenty one games, uh, DK Metcalf is right up there with uh, some of the greats of all time. I mean, the only I one that really that. tops him. I mean, listen to these numbers, I mean, which is, I think, absolutely incredible. DK, 21 games, 80 catches, 1,396 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Julio Jones, 80 catches, 1,272 yards, 12 touchdowns. Calvin Johnson, 71 catches, 1,133 yards, 7 touchdowns. Terrell Owens, 47 catches, 734 yards, and 6 touchdowns. The only one that tops him is Randy Moss, 90 catches, 1,678 yards, and 20 touchdowns. Well, I mean, the company speaks to it there. It's, it's uh, who's who of the best wide receivers in the game, you know, and and um, the best that have ever been. And that's 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 a very accurate stat when you when you're viewing the guys start. And and remember, his his, his impact was was really much more profound the second half of the season than the first half of the season. And uh, you know, including that playoff game as well, he's just been he's been absolutely lights out. I mean, an incredible 
incredible job of, of scouting, an incredible job of drafting, and an incredible job of development by the Seahawks with DK Metcalf. Oh yeah, no doubt, and that's that's what the uh, the fun part of all this is is watching his development and how well he's done. And of course, uh, I th- you know it's funny because I know last week. Uh, when we took some phone calls, people were critical of Jaron Reed saying, boy, did you, uh, why did they overpay him? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think that was the case last night. I mean, he looked no. phenomenal. He made big plays, you know. I mean, he made a couple of real big plays in the middle. He, he doesn't have a lot of help at this point, but, you know, he showed you what he can be. And, and again, with the addition of, of your boy Harrison, you know, they got a chance to really stop the run. I mean, that was obviously, the, you know, the big issue with the Vikings last night. And, you know, in fairness, you're up against the best running back in the game right now, and, and Dalvin Cook, and he looked like it. But um, you know, to, you know, I mean, that's that's the way to beat the Seahawks. Keep Russell Wilson off the field. That's what the Vikings did very effectively in the first half. But you know, you had a sense that the Vikings kind of you know blew it there towards the end when they they had a three and out late, and they they gave the Seahawks you know quick possessions and and kind of went away from just just smash mouth, and then went back to it and were just as effective with it. But you know, Jaron Reed has had some big plays. Uh, as did a couple of guys in that defense have some big plays. So, uh, again, they got away with one last night. But, uh, you know, as Pete Carroll said in his post-game press conference, and it's true, you've always got to win one or two games that you don't play particularly well in. And they didn't play particularly well last night, but they won. Mm-hmm. No. <clears throat> I thought that was a real good one. What uh, the NBA, of course, season's over. Lakers, yeah. easy victory. I thought went one game longer than I thought it would. Went to game six, but they come out four to two, and they just absolutely blow away the Miami Heat. Yeah, they were better, and and they showed it. And LeBron James now has another title, and and um, people will argue where where his place is. I mean, uh, I'd love to see him take on one more challenge, but I don't know how much more the guy can do. Uh, it was um, it was a no contest game last night, a thirty point lead in the third quarter. Miami was minus two starters throughout, so going six games, I thought was. An incredible accomplishment by them, and and I, I I don't watch the NBA as close as I used to, but Jimmy Butler leaps out of you as, as just a spectacular player. But uh, you know when they're minus those two starters, it was just a matter of time. The Lakers wearing them down, and and LeBron uh, kind of had to look like uh, like the great ones do at times, where okay, that's enough, let's move on, and and the Lakers did. Yeah, they really did. <clears throat> and how do you kind of sum up? The, I mean, I know the ratings were bad this year, which is a little bit of a surprise. How do you kind of rate where the NBA is right now and how this season went? Well, I mean, you know, there's the giant asterisk, John. It's hard to it's hard to you know to compare it to what it should have been yeah, when, yeah. when it was so strange to begin with. Uh, I think the NBA did it did at, at the end of the day did a great job. They had a great plan. It worked well. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the caliber of play was good. You know, it looked like NBA basketball, even without fans there, which was kind of a tough thing to, to, to get going. And, and I thought they did as good as they could. I mean, uh, the ratings, I don't, I don't think that matters much to them that they were down a little bit. They were at a different time. There was weird things going on. So, uh, I, I, my walk, my takeaway from the NBA, same as the NHL, is that they really did a great job of, of perfecting their bubble and, and, uh, and their sport benefited from it. And they had, they had a very good, a very good outcome in both cases, and you know, baseball is kind of leaning towards the same thing now with the the league championship series going, and and they're going fairly well there. So, um, you know, it's just up to football to hold up its end of the bargain, I suppose. Okay, that's our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. David, hope you enjoyed. Hope you sit, watch the um, Monday night game tonight. You got it, John. We'll talk again tomorrow, buddy. All right, sounds good. And we'll be back tomorrow at ten. John Clayton Show, seven ten, ESPN Seattle.